Hey everyone, Eric here. Welcome to episode 5 of Spill the Wine. Now, before we get to the episode, I'd like to share some exciting news. Hotel California, one of our past seasons, was just selected to be a part of the Rio WebFest in the Best Actual Play Podcast category. This is now the second WebFest Hotel California has been selected for, so I thought I'd take a moment to tell you a little bit about the season. Hotel California finds three agents of Delta Green in the 1990s assigned to investigate the disappearance of a young artist in New York City named Abigail Wright and the strange scene she left in her apartment before disappearing. This season was based on an iconic Delta Green scenario written by Dennis Detwiller called Night Floors and kicks off a longer campaign called Impossible Landscapes. I've gone on record saying that Impossible Landscapes is the best campaign book I've ever read, something I can keep saying at least until Casilda's song is officially released. Hotel California features three players who will also be part of the Casilda Song campaign. Lindsay Brown, who plays Rose Fallaby in Casilda Song, as lawyer Veronica Doyle, Sarah Lovejoy as art curator Dahlia Ivanova, and Mikey Krennic as FBI agent Chip Lynch. This is one of my absolute favorite seasons we've ever done, playing one of my favorite scenarios and one of my favorite games, so I can't recommend it highly enough. And if you really want to give it some love, you can go to the Rio WebFest website and give it a vote in their popular vote contest. Just go to www.riowebfest.net slash popular dash vote. Look for Nature of My Game Hotel California and submit. You can vote once per day, and I'm sure you have nothing better to do, so go there now and vote. As always, you can find more info about the Nature of My Game podcast at www.nomgpodcast.com or at nomgpodcast on Twitter and Instagram. And if you just can't wait a week for a new episode, check out some of our past seasons or support us on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash nomgpodcast for some exclusive audio available only to our $5 Hope You Guess My Name tier backers. And now, with no more ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 5 of Casilda Song Chapter 1, Spill the Wine. Previously on The Nature of My Game Podcast. Is the scent of death in Nui, or is the scent of death elsewhere? How far, how far away is the scent of death? Were they all left at Genevieve's apartment in particular? Yes, they were. Yes. Oh, gosh. Ominous. I believe we have a mutual, a mutual interest that I would like to discuss with you. Please meet me after midnight at the Cabaret Dunion. There's a strange creature killing things in, in Nui, and... It seems to bode very ill. Love, Francis. Love and kisses. <laughs> She's tempted to steal something, but she doesn't. Welcome to the Parisian morgue. All persons are formally invited to furnish any indications they might possess that may lead to the recognition of any deceased persons held within and will be put to no expense as a result. What business do you have here today? What moves you about the the cold of a dead body? Does it haunt you? <laughs> does, it, does it appear in your dreams? Does it turn them into nightmares? Does it inspire you like it inspires me? You're the one who found the arm, you say. Well, uh, I believe that I have a body for you. Sir, this was this was not a weapon. This was a creature with teeth and claws. That's obvious. You see that the wine glasses that you had are no longer there, and they've all been replaced with your own glasses of the green liquor. Paris, September 4th, 1895. You know, my friends, I don't only dabble in sonnets. I've also dipped my pen into the well a few times to write something more epic and something darker. Percy Vanderbilt stood at the bar, having just bought a round of drinks for those he was now speaking with. 
As he spoke, he saw a few of his interlocutors force a chuckle, while others openly cringed. Percy kept a smile on his face, but frowned internally. He knew when he was being humored. He had seen it too many times from so-called friends of his parents. Why am I even telling people about that anyway? Percy thought to himself. It was late, though not as late as some of his nights went, but as he finished his drink, he decided to head back to his apartment. He'd had enough of the hangers-on tonight, and besides, if he wanted to continue to drink, he had his own stock he could dip into. Percy walked home, a bit unsteadily. He had still managed to down more drinks than perhaps was proper. Genevieve would certainly have scolded him if she'd been around. He made his way up to his apartment and collapsed onto the couch. Percy had hoped that his experience in Paris would be different than his experience in boarding school, but it seemed clear that he was facing the same challenges, even across an ocean. He just didn't know how to connect with people, not really. Genevieve told him he needed to show more of himself, but he didn't know how to do that. All people saw, and all they wanted to see, was his money, and how they could get him to use it for them. And they would tolerate his personality if it meant that he'd continue to pay. But Percy knew when he was being used. He always knew. Sometimes he could tolerate it, but tonight had been too much. But why had I started to tell them about my poem, he wondered to himself again. He was truly surprised with himself. It wasn't something he liked to talk about, especially around those people. People who would never understand who would never take the time to see past the terrifying imagery and horrifying allusions to the meaning behind it. People who just wouldn't ever get it, just like they didn't get him. Percy didn't understand why he'd mentioned it earlier, but his epic poem was now on his mind, and he wasn't ever going to stop thinking about it until he worked on it for a while. And so he went over to his shelf and pulled down one of a dozen identical leather-bound journals, the one that wasn't completely filled with writing. He set it down at his desk, and then walked over to his kitchen. He opened up one of the cabinets, reached to the top shelf, and pulled down a bottle of green liquor. He took out a wine glass and filled it to the brim with absinthe, and then brought it over to his desk as well. Before he opened the notebook, he plugged his nose and lifted the wine glass to his lips, tipping his head back and drinking the entire glass in one breath. Percy was going to write tonight, and he was afraid that when he'd read it over in the morning, he might again find words that he wasn't sure he'd written. At least this way, once the absinthe went to his head, he'd never quite know for sure. So have any of you ever heard of a music fantasy league? No. Yes. Uh, uh, Lily, maybe. Say more. <laughs> what, Lily, what do you what what is your what is your uh, what do you know about music fantasy leagues or what do you think it is? I don't know if this is the same thing, but we did it for a while with like a group of our friends where it would be like someone would choose a theme, like best karaoke songs. And then everyone would have, like, I forget however long, like, maybe 24 hours or something to choose a song. And you would just, like, paste the link from Spotify. And then after everyone had posted, then everyone could see all the choices, but you didn't know who posted them. And then everyone voted on, like, what was the best karaoke song. And then you, like, got ranked. And then you had, like, 10 of those. And then by the end, whoever was, like, the top ranking one. Yes. And actually, you could also, like, downvote. 
So you could like choose <gasps> the best one and the worst one, I think, or maybe you could choose like top two and then like the worst one. So like some people would go, like people would get up because people voted for them and like other people would move down because people unvoted for them. <laughs> it was intense. I won, by the way. Of course, of course. You have to make sure you make sure you sneak that in there. Yeah. Lindsay, oh, is that what you were yeah. thinking? Um, I guess. I think like something similar, but I, I've seen it in like a March Madness bracket type of way. Okay. Where it's like mm. you get like that. That's what I was thinking of. Like, oh, that's um, cool. you know, it's like they're whatever. They're like randomly scrambled and it's like one versus one. It's like, OK, which one do you like better? And mm-hmm. then it like knocks out. I think I've seen that for like Taylor Swift songs. Yeah, Seems definitely. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 They have like TikTok filters where like it shows up above your head and you have to make your choice. And like you do it by like putting your head one you way, or the, one way or the other yeah. oh yeah and, like it's if they're the really good kind they do show you like the bracket as it is oh, that's it's cool. being built yeah. by your tilts <laughs> wait um, lily so... what song lily what song did you win with because oh I, like now. i won like the whole season I don't... Oh, okay it's like so, a bunch like... of different categories oh it's a bunch yeah, of different yeah, categories yeah. Oh, okay all right i was like oh i want to know what like the top dog song is yeah <laughs> I, i'm trying to remember any of the good ones <laughs> i don't remember one yeah. of my choices was i want to dance with somebody Okay. But I don't think that was that wasn't the karaoke one. I think that was one like it was like best song at a wedding to get everyone on the floor or something <laughs> oh, like that. It's a good For one. Sure. For sure. <laughs> so my friends and I are, are in the middle of doing this right now. Uh, my friends Ooh. from college and I are in the middle of doing this right now. And the category at the moment, uh, we just got the playlist this morning for uh, best karaoke songs. Um, that happens to be the one that we're in. We so nice. <laughs> my question for all of you is what is your go to karaoke song? Ah. I admit when I do karaoke, which is rarely, I always do private room karaoke. Yeah. And <laughs> I do it. I have specifically done this multiple times now with um, my friend Jess, who is Tommy's wife, Tommy, of, of the podcast. And she and Tommy I use podcast. it of the podcast. <laughs> um, that's the last name. It's like a house uh, name. <laughs> but we... We will do the worst YouTube playlist in that it is all cheesy Broadway songs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and are just being as indulgent as we want to be, and it is the way to go. Okay. Do you have you have you ever done karaoke not in a private karaoke room? Never. Okay. I do not have the nerve. But you are a singer. I know, and that's why it's so stressful. <laughs> because it's like I want to seem cool and fun, right? And not like I'm taking it too seriously. And I know that I would take it too seriously. And like I, I can't put that on myself. Okay, so that's okay. totally fair. All right, one more question before I move on. So if your life depended on you performing karaoke in a bar, what is the is there a song that's popping into your head right now as like the one that you would go for? Love is a battlefield. Okay. Ooh, I like it. That's awesome. That was said with confidence, too. That was like, yep. <laughs> I because I have the fantasy, right? I have the fantasy of, like, coming up on the karaoke stage and busting it out. Everyone being like, oh, my God, she's incredible. And I go, yes, I know. So, <laughs> yeah. You just drop the microphone and walk away. <laughs> yeah. The first song on the playlist as I was listening this morning was Let It Go. And I was like, man, mm. like, choosing an Adina, a song that was written for Adina Menzel That's is, a- like, that's, That's a, a bold choice. And oh, like, I know all the people in this group and none of them can, there's no way that anybody can pull off that song karaoke. So. <laughs> they're <laughs> lying. <laughs> yes, yeah. they're lying. Yeah. Unless you choose it specifically to be a like, a, let's get the whole crowd singing the song and we'll all kind of wail it out together and that'll be fun. But like the, let it, the, the chorus of that song, I think that can happen with. But there are some parts in that song that like, 
if you don't do it well, it's like it's not good. Like the the, the bridge in that song would be just a real mess for anybody mm. if if they can't actually sing. That's true. You have to time it right with like the amount of alcohol that's been consumed yeah. in the room. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Others karaoke songs, either a private room or 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 out of a <laughs> private room. I also exclusively do private room karaoke. <laughs> it's, um, it's fun. It's legit it's fun. So much better. Um, but so we recently did one of these like for my cousin's 21st birthday which was incredible um where she invited all of her older cousins to come and hang out with her which was oh that's great yeah um and me and my brother decided to do swing swing by the all-american rejects Mm -hmm. which was a fantastic choice but (laughs) only in like that kind of environment i don't think that would work in like a (laughs) in like a full restaurant but um if i were doing it in like a full bar or whatever Mm -hmm. i think i would do something like that most people would sing along to so that like you don't really Mm -hmm. have to like uh, wagon wheel or like some yeah, or like Sweet Caroline yeah. so both, that like you just sing like choices. a couple of lines and then Absolutely. everyone else just starts singing and then you're fine mm-hmm. it's like the crowd yeah yes you're exactly it. Yeah. crowd like participation it. yeah uh, okay I have two <laughs> so I'm okay. also yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've only done the private room karaoke as well and honestly I feel like I know my strengths I foresee it only being private room karaoke for the rest of my life but um, <laughs> but I have two I feel like so one is um, it's Ja Rule's uh, pimping all over the world, which I know okay. is a very bizarre one, but I had it like on a, you know, when you used to burn CDs and I used to like drive back and forth to college. It's like an hour and a half sure. drive. I only had like two CDs in my car. And so I listened to it <laughs> and I, I strangely know like three quarters of the song, like by heart, like could just Amazing. wrap it out. Yes. Um, but I think truly like my favorite one. And I think there's like an outfit combo to it would be Celine Dion's It's All Coming Back to Me Now. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. a good choice. It's that's like, amazing. Yeah, I just feel like, you know, that is like maybe less talent and more passion in that song. Yeah. Right? Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, as long as I'm flinging it. myself around whatever <laughs> stage we're at and potentially have like a flowy dress on, you can sell it all the way. Yeah, so for those sure. are, yeah. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I have only done private room karaoke before. It's been years. Um, I think in your thought experiment of like, you know, what if, if you if had your to life do it, yes, if you, if it I think I would die. I, I think <laughs> I would and not because I couldn't sing or didn't want mm. to, but because I would just in the moment just have no idea what song to pick. So I would throw Fair. something out and be like, oh, uh, yeah. Born to Run or something, and then just you know, that I'm not I'm not making it through Born to Run convincingly. So. Well, part uh, of it is that karaoke panic, right? Where like oh, you've yeah. sung along to a song for years, yes. and as soon as there's nothing underneath you, mm-hmm. you have no idea what the actual metal- yes. melody is. Yeah. Totally. Oh, yeah. How does this go? Oh, yeah. And why are these I words lighting up at the speed like a song? Yeah. yeah. That, that seems off. Right. Is this new? Is this, is this how this song goes? This is, this is a mistake. Have I only known a radio edit? <laughs> it's also it's not it's not the actual music. Usually it's not the actual mm-hmm. music underneath. It's right. like a weird yeah. karaoke version yeah. of the music underneath, yeah. which mm-hmm. is often not right. totally right, or at least not the same. 
Yeah, whatever minimal thing they have to pay for to get like the you know like the, the rights ish to it yeah. or something. Yeah. But yes, the the words always light up at a speed where you're like something feels not natural about this. I don't remember <laughs> saying this song a million times. I can't you know, mm-hmm. and maybe I just like don't have the capacity to read and sing at the same time. I don't know. <laughs> um, I also have two. I, I don't. I, Wherever, I mean, you all grew up uh, in this part of the country. Uh, we didn't have private room karaoke in South Bend, Indiana. Um, the only <laughs> karaoke available to us was college bar karaoke night uh, sure. karaoke. But I have two. One that I would never, maybe in my, maybe in the past I have, but I, now I would never be the one to put it on, but I can do all the words for, which I think sometimes people find impressive, which is One Week by Bare Naked Ladies. That is very impressive. But if I were choosing one, and I, re- I don't think I would, I, this is not a song that you do on your own. This is a song that, you know, maybe you mm. have one or two people up there with you. But I have done this once before. I didn't choose it, but whoever chose it, it, was, it ended up being a great choice. I was worried. Uh, but it's uh, Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy uh, by Big and Rich. <laughs> Surprisingly amazing karaoke song. There you go. (laughs) And people really get into it. I like that. I'm picturing these characters that we all play trying to like (laughs) sit around awkwardly at a karaoke bar and like (laughs) cabaret of death just turned. Well, yeah, somehow I don't think the cabaret of death is the perfect place to do karaoke. Uh, Uh, I was hoping that was a segue to when we were going next. Yes, the disco ball comes down. We've all been drinking that top shelf Vanderbilt money wine, you know, like it's it's the right. Anything can happen. This creepy woman. Who just sat down at our table says, "Okay, what song are we gonna she do?" She starts Kansas? singing. It, she starts singing. It's all coming back to me. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but she has that plastic binder full of songs. Yeah, like, exactly. Time to pick your poison. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. She's like your life depends on it. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> um, Incredible. So our American art students in Paris are uh, searching for some sort of creature that seems to be attacking people in a neighborhood uh, just just off of the. Ile de la Jatte in Paris, and uh, they responded to an invitation from an unknown person to meet at the Cabaret of Death, um, which is a kind of kind of um, hokey uh, tourist trappy bar um, in Montmartre in Paris, um, where the tables are coffins and the servers look like pallbearers and there are skulls and battle scenes hung up on the wall. And they were sitting around, drinking some wine, chatting with each other about where to go next in the investigation, uh, just after midnight. And they suddenly realized that a pale, thin, eerily alluring brunette woman in a green fashionable gown has uh, seated herself with you at this coffin table. Um, And you see that she's drinking a glass of absinthe, and as you look down, you see that you each have, rather than the wine that you had before, glasses of absinthe sitting in front of you as well and she not- she sees all of you f- notice her sitting there and she says greetings I have heard that you have been searching for something uh, a creature stalking Nui I know little of such a thing but my suspicions are that its presence might be connected to a troublesome relation of mine I must admit I feel some obligation to provide assistance to those willing to keep the trouble at bay, and you four strike me as just such people. I'd like to offer you each a drink. And she kind of waves her hand toward the absinthe sitting in front of each of you. 
Are there like so our drinks have just transformed, right? Like there's yes. no like it's not just like next to the wine. And mm. uh, if we if we like take a look around, like are there still people at this mm-hmm. bar? Or is yep. it one of those like everything's faded to black? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> okay. There's still people. They don't seem to notice that anything in particular is strange. They're just continuing yeah. their conversations. Excuse me. Uh, who are you? Ah, you really know how to get to the point, don't you? <laughs> She's very good at that. <laughs> <laughs> I am Casilda. And your last name? <laughs> that is unimportant. <laughs> Um, I think Francis also, mm-hmm. she says that name and there was like something kind of tingling at the back of your mind before, mm-hmm. but she does look strangely like Celeste to you now that you're looking yeah. at her and she says that her name is Casilda. A little older, more refined, maybe like Celeste might look in 20 years if she kind of moved her station up in the world. Hmm. But you can see now like if if this is if this is that Casilda... And yeah. they were going for someone who kind of looked like her. Did a reasonable job. Absolutely. Yeah, I kind of imagined for the last couple of weeks any pale woman with dark hair. Like so Francis has just been like, ha, ha, ha. oh yeah, for sure, like, double sure. taking at. Do we know anything about this Casilda thing? I doubt it. Maybe, maybe you saw a poster, a poster for Casilda, but the show mm-hmm. has never happened and. It probably has left your mind already, the fact that you hmm. saw a poster for it. So, so the show got canceled. Yeah. Right. Well, it certainly has not it certainly has <laughs> not um started. Okay. Indefinitely delayed. Frances is gonna she's had her sketchbook up, and I think she whenever Casilda said her name, she kind of very carefully put the sketchbook down, put down the little piece of charcoal that she was using. And looks Casilda in the eye and says, that's a very interesting name. Yes, I am quite fond of it myself. Hmm. It's funny, I don't have the same good associations with the name. I imagine that that's true. Who exactly is this relation of yours? Well, I am sorry to say that she is my sister. Sister? Yes. And does uh, your sister have a name? She does, of course. Uh, Camilla. <laughs> Camilla is her name. And she also doesn't have a last name? That's correct, yes. <laughs> do you have a last name? Indeed, Very I much. do. My last name is Vanderbilt. Perhaps you've heard of us. How quaint. <gasps> quaint. Ouch. <laughs> I, think, I think Percy jumps in right now and sort of says, you know, please don't mind my, my sister. She can be a bit unwelcoming at times. And I think he raises his glass of absinthe and just downs it. <gasps> <laughs> she um she she raises her glass in response to yours and then takes a little bit of a sip and says, "Yes, sisters can be that way sometimes, certainly." Just a little sip for Yeah, just a little <laughs> sip, yes. Oh no. <laughs> Does anything happen to Percy? No. No, I mean it explodes. It tastes Percy, you <laughs> I'm sure. Are you an absinthe drinker, do you think? It's very popular um in yes. Paris among the young artists. You, yeah, you think definitely. you're a, you're an absinthe drinker? Okay, it tastes like Tastes like good absinthe. Nice. Huh. Yeah, I think this being served to him would not be surprising in any way. Yeah. No. It's uh, it's yeah. It's very popular. Um, it matches her dress certainly. Hmm. Could one perhaps use absinthe as ink for a pen? Um, I don't know. Do you think you could? You probably. I don't know. Uh, it like seems no, no. probably not. No, because I don't think it would. I don't think it would no draw pigment. green. Yeah. 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 
probably yeah. not staining. I think you property. would need some sort of plant, right? Like some sort of green yeah. plant to mix with ink to make it green. Probably. It's very much her signature color, though. Apparently. Certainly, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, I think that Rose is watching this exchange, and when Percy takes his absinthe and just like knocks it back she does like actually gasp a little bit like support, <laughs> like just like can't believe like this is like the mm. move but she like sort of like looks at him and then like looks over at Casilda and she she like picks up her own glass and like looks at it a, for a moment seems like she's debating it and then she knocks it back too okay um, cool. yeah and then nice. I think she's gonna look back at Casilda and go she's gonna pull out the invitation that they got Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of like push it to the middle of the table um, and say, how did you know about us? Hmm. Well, if you don't mind me saying, I have been keeping tabs on what's been going on today and your names have popped up a few times. My sister and I are, we're engaged in a, a game of sorts. And she, as she often does, and she kind of like looks at Percy when she says this, has taken the game too far again. If by too far you mean the death of multiple innocent people and I'm sure a very noble alley cat, then yes, I agree. Yes. Why uh, exactly are we talking to you if this is the kind of game that you would engage with, even if it's gone further than you would have liked? I think I think Percy kind of interjects too here and, and sort of says, you know, he, he like tries to play like Peacemaker a little bit with like a... No, please, please, please. My friends have had a very, mm. very busy day, a very frantic day, a lot of frightening things we've seen. So we're always happy to help out anybody for the right price. And she says, Ms. Anderson, I, I understand your point of view and the things that my sister does. It, it's not the way that I choose to play the game. My, my way is much more, much more noble, but she can be unstable dangerous the decisions she makes often lead to bloodshed i myself have lost those that i trust to her machinations in short i agree with you but then why in god's name was the opera that was your name the thing that almost destroyed an innocent soprano of my acquaintance as you say that she kind of like she like almost interrupts you with a laugh she's like oh that yes that it is not my fault that i have been used in the past as inspiration for such things that was not my doing it's done in your name quite literally it was about me how can you blame me for that i don't know you you have a chandelier coming at you very quickly from above and blame gets to be a little bit easy to start laying around you and i both know who dropped that chandelier on you and it wasn't me Yes, I know. I think my knife had a little bit of an acquaintance with the person that did do the dropping. Yes, indeed. Thank you for that. Mm. Who is that in this game that you're playing? You know his name. I don't know that I do, actually. I think I know a descriptor, which is the best any of us can come up with. Do I don't... Who? What is his name? The name I know him by is the same one that you do. He's the ghost. <sighs> he works for someone else. Not me. Hmm. Not my sister. Our game has only recently begun. 
So, I mean, I feel like this was this is this exchange of information between Casilda and Francis was a lot to hear as a bystander. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think maybe like for Rose in that moment, she's kind of having like a I wonder if this absinthe is like doing something to me, like thinking about it because she's like. Wow, you know, like clearly there's like so much, so much being thrown around here that is like very alarming to hear and like with zero context. But mm. I think is also maybe not in a positive way, like a little comforting to be like, wow, Francis, something insane happened with her. So there's like weird stuff going on, obviously, all over the city. So many questions like left here. <laughs> but I think maybe like if there's like a lull in this little back and forth, Rose is going to interject and kind of like, you know, like lean forward on the table a little bit more and say, what exactly are you and your sister playing for? She kind of looks almost quizzically at you and says, well, obviously, my dear, to win. Hmm. Ooh. I think that gives Chills. her a chill. <laughs> yeah. Let the record state I had to consciously refrain from asking. That's a good question. <laughs> I think... Genevieve is getting very annoyed with this conversation because she doesn't like being in the dark, but she also mm. does not want to speak to this person again. So she's battling with herself on if she should ask. She doesn't want to ask for clarification, especially from this person who doesn't even have a family name. <laughs> so I think at this point she's going to ask, Francis, could you share what you're talking about here? What's going on? Oh. I mean, I hate to fall back on cliche. It's a bit of a long story. <laughs> well, just tell us the important parts. Sure. Um, suffice to say, approximately two weeks ago, we started seeing posters around town for an opera in our lovely friend's name and bearing the likeness of someone who was clearly cast to look very much like her. And unfortunately, some of the details surrounding the story of that opera were ones we had encountered before. Back in February, got our hackles up, we went investigating, and we found people uh, people associated with it acting uh, strange and mad, and our lives were in danger, and we managed to find out that there was this person, this ghost, who was having some sort of terrible influence over everyone involved with the opera, and including, and most directly, upon the soprano, who looks a little bit like our esteemed guest. And at that point, she kind of, like, bows a little bit and uh, smiles. Yeah. <laughs> and and the, the part that I find hardest to sum up is underneath the opera house, there was a door, and it took us to a place that was something I've had in my nightmares now for months where the the sky was white with black stars there was a boat and this ghost made a very valiant attempt to take the soprano away and uh, Monty and Monty Hogg and, and, and Donald Braith and I stopped it some of us more directly and pointily than others and he went to the farther shore and I don't know that I ever want to go back there again. I was hoping, <laughs> vainly, clearly, that these doors that keep trying to be created and opened, we keep trying to shut, and clearly there's a crack. I think as you're talking about that, she has kind of chuckled a few times, too, 
as you're as you're describing mm-hmm. it. And she says, "You know, my dear, you you sound quite mad." Yes, yes, I am. I <laughs> I came here to paint nice pictures and to see old churches and enjoy things that were crumbling in pleasant ways around me. And my friends and I have been attacked and injured and people keep dying. And so, no, I think the fact that something else is still happening is going to get under my skin a little bit. Yes. Yes, I think it will. No, no, not angry, though you certainly sound that as well. Do you realize how crazy you sound? These things that you're describing? I think Francis takes a big, deep breath and says, yes, thank you. I do understand. And she just smiles into the face of Casilda. And then she she looks around at the rest of the group and says, what Miss Anderson has right now, what the the feelings that she's channeling, in fact, that's that's what I need from all of you. I have seen Miss Anderson at work before, and she is unafraid of getting her hands dirty. I believe all four of you may be the same. And I could I could use the assistance of bold folks like you who are unafraid of meeting trouble head on. Now, I know you may be loath to help me in any way, but I just want you to know that what has happened so far with my sister and her most recent plot is simply the tip of the iceberg. More is to come if her plan is not uncovered and thwarted. I think the four of you could play a role in making sure that that doesn't happen. Casilda... Do you think you could give us some time to speak with each other and go somewhere else? Oh, yes, I'm sure that I could. Uh, I will say, before I let you talk amongst yourselves, the thing you're looking for, it's very hard to find in the way that you've been looking for it. But I think if you follow the smell, you'll have an easier time. And then she's gone in a blink, disappears from the table. (laughs) Oh, and, no. you, and you smell kind of a strong waft of absinthe that's floating in the air where oh. she sat. Oh. Um, and I have two things for the group before you continue. Uh-huh. I have a sense what they might be. <laughs> um, the first is that Percy, um, if you would like to use a society push, um, we can say that um, Casilda took a, a bit of a liking to you um, during this conversation, um, and you may form a special bond with her. Yeah, I would love to. Ooh, All right, so go ahead and that. go ahead and take uh, take your pushes down to <gasps> one. How cool! Percy's like, you know what? I'm out of this group. I'm. What a nice lady got me absent. Yeah, what are taking over? Yeah, <laughs> he wants yeah. to be out having a good time. So yeah. I guess. he was ready to order a, another round of absinthe for everybody before <laughs> she mysteriously <laughs> vanished into thin air. Yeah. The absinthe, the absinthe is still sitting in front of those who have not downed it, and I'm your sure. wine has returned as well. <laughs> they're both there. Very yes, they're odd. both there. Mm. Um, oh, I don't like that. The, the There's second... something about that that's worse. <laughs> <laughs> the second thing is that I need all of you to roll me a composure check. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because she just disappeared. So we're going to start with we're going to start with Genevieve. Um, would you like to spend any composure points on this check? Mm, yes, I'll spend one. Um, okay. How? Uh, what do you think that one point represents? And how many composure points do you have left after you spend the one? Three. Nice. Actually, I don't know. I feel like she kind of unnerved me. 
Okay. So maybe I shouldn't spend any. I don't know okay. if I have a justification. All right, but, yeah, then just roll a plane. Yeah. All right. What's the worst What's thing the worst could happen? Thing happen? <laughs> <laughs> One. <gasps> okay. That's the worst that could happen. <laughs> I will tell <laughs> Ask you that a if silly question. Even if you even if you had spent one, it wouldn't have made a difference. So, That's true. <sighs> uh, Percy. Yeah, I'm gonna spend one, which will bring me down to two. But I already have the shock card, so I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. So so what is the what is your explanation? Um, I mean, I think the explanation for Percy is that he has taken a liking to this yeah. bizarre yeah. character. Yeah, so too. <laughs> and that disappearing is like cool, not like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of fits her vibe, you know. <laughs> um, she is basically five. like a poetic muse that like came into your life suddenly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so okay. Yep. All right. How about Rose? Um, I'm not gonna you can't have any. much. You can't have much. I have literally left. one left. I have one <laughs> yeah. left. Okay. And but currently I have no shot cards. I'm just like, I'm just gonna roll the dice. Yeah, I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna do it. It's fine. Three. Three. Okay. <laughs> um. And what about Francis? I I'm gonna spend three, which okay. I think is gonna leave me with four. No, that is gonna leave me with one. Okay. Because Francis was trying really hard not to cave when Casilda said that she sounded insane uh-huh. um, because she knew she was taking a gamble, but that moment made her realize how much of a gamble she was taking in front of these people, and she desperately wants to not make them doubt her in this sure. moment. Mm. yep. Okay. Oh, my God. So I rolled a one, so that's a four. Four, okay. All right, so Percy um, and Francis both pass. Oh, thank goodness. Rose, you failed by one, so you take the minor shot oh, card. Okay. Um, which is called Absinthe Game. Okay. You get a plus one to tests that disadvantage Camilla or her operatives. <gasps> oh. Interesting. Wait, Casilda or? No, Camilla, her sister. Oh, Camilla. Okay. Ooh, okay. Um, and after such a test, you may discard the card if you would like to. Oh, but I could keep it. <gasps> but you could keep, keep it. having an advantage. But continue oh. to have a shot card, yeah. Yeah, mm. that's oh, very right. cool. Okay, I was like, where's the downside here? <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, all right. Absence sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Genevieve, you failed by more than one. Um, so you take the major shot card, which is called Absinthe War. Hmm. So after a test after a test that disadvantages Camilla or her operatives, you may refresh a pool of your choice, which means that you get all of your points back in that pool after you make a test that disadvantages Camilla or her operatives, which is a really nice bonus. That's very cool. Composure, okay. right? I mean, that'd be you, great. <laughs> you may then discard, and it becomes a continuity card if it's held at the end of the scenario. Oh. Those two are fascinating cards. I'm so glad we got to hear both of them. Yes. I kind Those of are, wish I, I think had the, failed. I, I, think. <laughs> I know. That's like, this well, is the first time anything good's happened <laughs> to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think those are the first two cards that are from the that are from the campaign specifically rather than from the, cool. the general mm, yeah. book. So. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Okay. And is that that's just one shot card for you, um, Genevieve, or is that two? One. 
Okay. Does any who else has cards? Uh, what I know, Lindsay, you just took one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, you have one. Yep. Shock. Yeah, I have a touch of the shakes. Mm, yes. <laughs> oh, and you can get rid of that by taking a restful. Yes. By doing something restful, right? <laughs> Which has not yet happened in our Maybe no one long day. day. No, it has not. <laughs> yeah. All right. So it's um, it's after midnight. Casilda is gone. You're still at the Cabaret of Death, and you have just been basically asked to help Casilda stop her sister Camilla from going overboard in this game that she's playing, or the game that they're playing. I think, like in the in the in the pause, whether or not it's awkward after she's gone, Francis just takes a deep breath and says, "I promise, I am not mad." I promise everything I said can actually be corroborated. Um, and I think, like, in that moment, in, like, an, a very uncharacteristic display of warmth, almost, um, Rose is going to reach across the table and, like, touch Francis's hand, like, with her own and say, I don't think that you're mad at all. And she'll she'll pause and she'll pull her hand back and, and she'll say, uh, you know, I lost most use of my right hand this past winter um, in some sort of grapple between entities of ice and fire. I think I'm still trying to understand what happened to me and my friend, but I I find myself less and less moved to believe that anyone who experienced something similar in this city is is going mad and is perhaps more awake to the reality of what's going on. I think in that moment when you touched her hand, like Francis flipped her hand over and like pressed your fingers. And like, as soon as you started to draw it back, like she, she let it go, but she's gonna nod at you. And I think there is a surge in her breast of like kinship with you that I think is gonna, gonna linger. Genevieve is gonna pick up her wine glass and take a sip while that's going on. And then (laughs) say- Human feelings. (laughs) The little people. Francis, of course, nobody thinks you're mad. If anyone's mad, it's that Casilda without a last name. <laughs> <laughs> now, I must disagree with you, sister. I I believe we're all a little bit mad. You have to be a little bit mad to be an artiste like we are. But I think Percy, honestly, he's frantically waving for like the garçon in the bar to get another round of drinks because he's not used to this degree of sincerity and somber conversation. (laughs) And I I think that's what makes Frances like her her shoulders unstiffen because like, yeah, she likes you, Percy. You make her laugh even when you're not trying to make her laugh at all. Saying artiste completely unironically. Exactly. <laughs> I think he feels that too, because he's not used to people having a positive reception to his carrying on. So I think that lifts him a little bit. Yeah. What are we going to do? Are we supposed to walk around just smelling the streets of Paris and hoping for the best? Do we get a dog? I believe she was simply an inspiring woman. <laughs> oh, I think dear. we should follow her. Oh, dear. Uh, I think, you know, Rose kind of shoots a, a quizzical look in Percy's direction, which feels very commonplace for her at this point. There's just something about his overtly flowery Does language. Does not understand. It's just, it's just not landing with her. It's not, no. like, annoying, but she just can't comprehend, like, what? what? Creature from like, another what planet. Is this? Yeah, like, what? Who? What's this guy's deal? Um... 
but I think, you know, I think she's going to like lean in a little bit more like conspiratorial into the group just because I, she, for her, she feels like this like kind of a sense of conversation and she's going to say, I, I, I think she's given us some ideas with which to work with, not as concrete as I would like, but I also want, I, I have concerns about aligning ourselves with Casilda or doing what I might consider her bidding. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what that means, but I, I want us to keep that in mind because I don't want to, I don't want it to, I don't want to create this space where we've become some sort of minions of hers unwittingly. If there's one thing I can say with any confidence about any of the things that I've been seeing this year, it's that there is so much going on that I do not understand. I don't think I have any grasp, even after what she said and even after what I've seen of what these two forces are up to, much less what they're capable of. I agree completely. I'd like to believe her that, like, if there's any sort of goodies versus baddies side that she is on the slightly more goodies but I don't think it can possibly be that good. I agree but I believe we might be able to outsmart her. We could accept her help and use her information to figure out what we want to figure out and not work for her in any way. It's very astute. Yeah there seems like there's a confidence in the, the way that Genevieve was saying that is like giving Rose a little confidence. Like, if Genevieve thinks that they can... Unflappable. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's bolstering. Um, mm-hmm. I think Rose is going to take a big gulp of her wine, po- possibly in a slightly uncouth way, but um, she can take a big gulp <laughs> of her wine and say... And she's taking a pause. She's replaying what Casilda said in her mind, and she'll say, um, so this this thing that she says about the creature moving in a way that we don't expect... What could that mean? Is it flying? Is it disappearing as she has done? Is it moving in between planes of existence? How is it how is it navigating this space? And and what is there a path to its madness or is it just merely seeking out susceptible victims? Those are extremely good questions. <laughs> I I mean what I don't know that we had much... I guess we did have some time to debrief, actually. Um, and so I think we all would have learned that there's no clear pattern in any of the the sightings that we were seeing. And I think just as a reminder to the other kind of quote-unquote leads that I think that you have are that the name of the, the, name of the first victim mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. Fernau Rubo, um, yeah. and he lived in the Latin Quarter. Um, and it seems like that's, this is the first victim... Of whatever this thing is, you, you know, the it's not like the medical examiner, Doctor Landry, told you that, like, oh, this is the third person we've seen yeah. like this in a week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also that his body was found at the Anier Bridge, um, which mm-hmm. is a bit of a smaller lead, but you know, it's possible that someone who found the body saw something more than what has been seen by others. Mm-hmm. And was that just to remind me? They think that the arm, like, was. I don't know. Like, there's something about, like, the drifting downwards <laughs> through the currents. Wasn't it like the arm was, like, closer to where maybe the yeah. body was, like, dumped or something? Or, I like, the body the just arm, kept moving on? Yeah, the arm was separated from the body mm-hmm. further upriver. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because the arm was found, we found the arm, and then the body was found, like, downriver from that. So, that they were separated at some point. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. And we we haven't caught its smell anywhere other than the church, right? The church is where the smell was strongest. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think that Rose and Francis like vaguely smelled it in the yeah. in the alley where the cat was. Mm. Uh, but mm-hmm. it was definitely strongest. Far more concentrated. Though not not e- still like kind of in the air rather than like coming from a particular direction around the church. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it dissipated too at some yeah. point, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So perhaps we would go and try and find out more about this. Fernand. 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 Rubo. Yes, perhaps someone from the art school might know something about him. And while we do that, we can see if we smell anything. That's a good idea. Actually, I think Frances is going to remember that she, before all of that happened, she was working on that sketch of him. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I think she's gonna do kind of like mm, mm-hmm, and point at, at do the like the yes 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 point at Genevieve and she's gonna hop up and um, find find a member of the staff just as like a why not and uh, excuse me um, do you happen to know does my friend Fernand frequent this this establishment he looks like this and and show just in case I don't believe so. <laughs> Real talker. I, I think Francis laughs. I think after all of this, she was not expecting spooky tones. Um, excuse me. I'm I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not laughing at you. It's been a quite a quite a day. Um, just thought I'd ask. Thanks. And then she's gonna scoot back to the table. Okay, that was that 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 didn't that didn't pan out. But you know, had to ask. And I will say, I um when when Dr. Landry said that he lived in the Latin Quarter. He would have had an address. There was an address on his yeah. identification mm-hmm. paper. Yes. So it's, it, he wasn't vaguely saying he lives somewhere in the Latin Quarter. Like he told you where he lived. Oh, I thought like the rest of the papers were. No, were no, blurred. no, no, no. He only <gasps> knew that he lived in the Latin Quarter because he had his address on his Amazing. identification papers. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so we do have his address. Fabulous. Okay. So should we go? I mean, it's past midnight, right? Yeah, it's like probably one in the morning. It's okay. early. For Percy. <laughs> it's very early. <laughs> <laughs> Should we press on tonight? I think so. I mean, odds Percy are. Wants to press on. <laughs> what are what are we gonna? I mean, I guess maybe we could find people to talk to. And mm-hmm. we, I don't. I guess we could also maybe try and sneak into his apartment in the middle of the night. Mm. Yeah. What if he lives Love with it. roommates or something? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Or might it be easier to do that in the daytime when we could like knock on a door or no? Do we? We've all been in Paris long enough. Like if we are looking at that address, we know where we are right now. How far away are we right now from his neighborhood? If somebody wants to come, Google map quickly. Come on, 19th century Google map. Absolutely. Google <laughs> to the Latin Quarter. You could do that. <laughs> I mean, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Yeah, I was going to say. That's what I would do to answer your questions. So. Throw that on the phone. Let's see. Montmartre, Paris, France. Directions. Not from here. Um, <laughs> Seems like an Latin hour. Quarter. An hour walk, according an to what I walk. Googled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I believe that it's canonical that Francis does not like walking. I do not. Yeah. I don't. Well, stairs are worse, but. Yeah. Could take it's a bit of a hike. I don't know. A it has moderate hills. Do the Vanderbilts not have a horse and carriage? <gasps> oh, that's oh. true. At your homes in the Latin Quarter, you probably do. Oh. But we could take Do the a... Vanderbilts not have taxi money? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a better point, yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, if only Manu sure. were here, we could like find her little her her beloved taxi driver and uh... <laughs> garçon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Whisk our way there. Yeah, let's get a taxi. Although I still am questioning whether it would be better to do in the daytime. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> Francis is eyeing Percy because he's he's the one championing going on, but I think she's noticed that he is a little shaken. Mm-hmm. Um. And he might I, feel better after he rests. Might feel better after, yeah. As much as, like, I, the player, would like my character to engage in a restful activity, <laughs> I, I just don't feel Absolutely. like it uh-huh. would be him. He's going to be able to do something. The other three... The other three would go home and he would stay out, probably. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Which we could do. I mean, he could just go could. out in his normal mm-hmm. way. Or... Perhaps that's a restful activity for Percy. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> probably is. <laughs> He'll reconvene oh, with you all at 2 p.m. tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like, right, like, the downside of it would be, like, like if we go to bed and this creature's just, like, out there, you know, yeah. ripping guts, like, left and right. But... <laughs> You know, but, but also, like, if we go now, you know, maybe we might get more in the morning, to be honest. Like, if there are people yeah. who are, like, having breakfast, the cafe, like, more students we could talk to. And, like, maybe it would be less sketchy for us to, like, break into his apartment. Mm. Not in the middle of the night? I don't know. But what's the consensus here? The only thing know. is, if we were going to break into his apartment, yeah, it might be easier to do at night. Right. Well, maybe we swing by and see if there are, like, people in his apartment, like, lights and stuff. Because, like, he might not live alone. True. That's a a good... That's not a bad idea at all. So go there first and just case the joint. And then... Yeah. Because we have to head back there anyways, right? Like, that's where we all live. So Other than Francis. Other than Francis, right. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Yeah. I think Percy, too... Like once he is off doing his usual nightly whatever, um, gallivanting around the Latin Quarter, <laughs> I think he would be asking about this guy discreetly because mm-hmm. he's in and out of all of these spaces, and, and mm-hmm, so he yeah. knows like a bunch of people in this area, most of them less savory characters, and I think he would just casually be bringing this up too. Yeah, yeah. I think Percy right. also might be getting texts from Manu right now, like. Where are you? Where are you hanging out? <laughs> he calls over a, a uh, like a, a messenger and just hands him a sack of cash and tells him to take it to my new. <laughs> it's funny. Get started without me. I'll be there soon. <laughs> so why don't we head back in that direction then? And just like maybe we see like what what the mood shakes us. Like if we go to his apartment, maybe people yeah. are there. Maybe there's like some people out having drinks and stuff. Percy could go do his thing mm-hmm. yeah yeah okay let's do it i will also just add that like at no point in any of this planning does francis touch that damn absinthe okay <laughs> like all all she can think about is like fucking persephone in the underworld and like she is like i'm not eating those pomegranate seeds no way no how i don't know what deal is being set <laughs> <laughs> Percy and Rose have been touched in some way now that they've they've drained For the For all them. I know. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I think he's fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he definitely is. And like if you want to drink it, like I guess she won't stop you, but <laughs> <laughs> Genevieve also did not touch the abs okay. just okay. continued to drink her not surprising. fancy red wine. <laughs> <laughs> not because she was afraid it was poison, just because it was She's not a big absinthe. Yeah, yes. she's not an absinthe mm-hmm. drinker, no. <laughs> 
Um, all right, so the four of you head back to the Latin Quarter. You go to the address where um, where Fernan, Fernau, Fernan, Fernau <laughs> is uh, uh, where he lived. I would say that it's a slightly nicer building than the one Rose lives in. Perhaps not quite as nice as the one that the ones that Percy and Genevieve live in. Doesn't seem to be anybody milling outside. You know, maybe you, there there are, you know, it's like a four-story building probably divided up into flats on each floor as as most of these kind of buildings where a lot of students and artists and, and young people live during this time. Um, you see a couple of lights on scattered throughout the building. Um, you know, somebody is awake. Um, you have, and I think his address was on the third floor. Um, you have no way of uh, knowing Francis. from here whether the light that's on on the third floor is his or not. Uh, like, would we be able to, like, get into the building to knock on his door? Or what's, like, the doorman situation or the doorbell situation? Um, so they're, they're, um, the door is locked. Mm-hmm. There seems mm-hmm. to be a, like, a, a bell that you can press. You're not, it's not like a bell per apartment. Yeah. There's like a mm-hmm. bell that can be rung. Um, you don't know who would be answering that bell um, or yeah. whether they would answer it at this time of the night, but it's, there is a bell. Mm-hmm. Would any of us be able to pick a lock discreetly? My first mm. guess is Percy. Uh, that would be, um, that would fall under sneaking, um, which is a general ability. Not Percy. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not particularly subtle. He is two sneaking points and minus one to those types of tests for now. Uh, I mean, I have some ability. I just don't know if Francis would have ever learned how to pick a lock. I think she's good at sneaking around, like being quiet, Mm. but I don't think she's ever tried lock picking. Yeah, Genevieve, same. (laughs) I can see Rose. I don't know how to do that. (laughs) Well, you do have a hammer and chisel, so. (gasps) (gasps) Also true. Shall I give it a try? Yes, mm. you'd like. Sure. Okay. Can I spend on this or no? Uh, yeah, absolutely, you can. Okay. How much would you one. like to spend? I'll spend one. Okay. No, I'm going to spend two. I'm All right. Spend two. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Um. Okay. So, wait a second. <laughs> Should we try and ring the doorbell first and then try and break in? All I'm picturing is a very angry landlady who would like assume it was a drunk. Like person that lives in that house. Okay. That is, and she she'd be mad enough. I mean, I'm ex- completely extrapolating, but like I imagine anyone who would be up to let people in would be mad. Okay. And then I feel like we would lose our chance to pick the lock discreetly. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, I think that assuming that was a conversation that happened between the three of them, I think like Rose doesn't need much more prodding. She has like maybe a slight hesitation of embarrassment to be like seen picking a lock to a building in front of like the richest people she's ever met, but she decides that it's for the best of the group, so she's going to do it. Um, what okay. is your, before you roll, what's your, um, uh, what's your justification for using the two? Do you have experience picking locks? Or are you just going to kind of brute force it open with your hammer and chisel? Um, I think because, I don't know if this will apply as well, but because she did all of that factory work and she's just mm-hmm. very good with like machinery and yeah. like sort of, you know, technical pieces, it's just going to be something that she knows how to do. Love it. Yeah? Okay. Yep. All right. Cool. Okay. Um, two plus two would be four. 
two plus two is four. That is enough. You kind of yeah. You don't even you don't even have to use the hammer. You kind of like put your chisel into the keyhole and then pop it open. Ooh, nice, awesome. All right, so she's gonna get the door open, and we know what floor. Like we know that, right? Not just you know the, the building. Apart- you know the apartment number too. The you apartment just, it, number. It, it, you wouldn't know mm-hmm. which window from the outside is that apartment number. Okay. All right. I think Rose is happy to just lead the way up to that apartment, if that is good. Does it mm-hmm. seem like the front or back of the building once we go in? Hmm. Uh, it seems like the back of the building. Okay. So we we suspect not the lights we saw on from yeah. the correct. Front. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Um. And I think maybe we give a knock to yeah, his door because I mean, just in case he lives with other people. Sure. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So Rose yeah, you will don't knock you on the don't door. see any you don't see any light underneath the door, um, and you give it a knock, and mm-hmm. you don't hear an answer. No okay. feet shuffling or anything like yeah. that. There's no little label on the door that has one or two names. No, no, there's not. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm gonna try and pick the lock again. <gasps> sure. How much would you like to spend on this one? Uh. Let's see. I only have one left, so I'll use that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Two plus one is three. For the indoor lock, I'll say that's good enough. And you, <gasps> you do a little more. You do a little more damage to the door this time. You kind of have to bring the hammer out and kind of knock it open. Yeah. Um, but you are able to do so. Cool. As she walks in, Genevieve raises her eyebrows at Rose and says, "What an interesting skill." <laughs> <laughs> Rose is deeply torn between flattery and also like feeling very slighted. Perfect. But do you know what? She swallows. You know what? She, swall- she swallows it quickly. Yes. Love it. Yeah. Um, okay. So we're in. All right. Um, you open it up. No lights on in there. Certainly doesn't seem like there's anyone inside. Um, what would you like to do? Is there like a candle situation or a light situation or something? Yeah, absolutely. You can pull out a match and yeah, yeah. he has some sort of light in this apartment that um, he was using at some point. So you can light a few candles up. Yeah, I want to like I, as quickly as possible. I want to ascertain if there's a roommate situation or if it's just us. Sure. Um, yeah. So you you kind of do a quick look around. It seems like a one bedroom apartment. Um mm. Does not seem like unless unless he's like really uh, kind of down on his luck that he would be sharing this with anyone. Yeah. Mm. And on first glance, do we notice anything strange? Um, I, you know, I think Francis has been in some some strange mm-hmm. apartments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this mm-hmm. does not seem like anything quite like that. No paper mache little... body part mounds. No paper mache no. body part uh, churches. Um, <laughs> you know, no no scribbles on the wall. Um, nothing like that. It's a little messy. Um, you know, like looks like someone who cares about, um, who is more invested in things other than keeping his apartment clean. <laughs> you see a lot of journals. Um, there's some, he has quite a few, kind of on, on a quick glance, he has quite a few books in both English and French, and some of them are like children's books hmm. um, in both languages. Hmm. Um, hmm. Could I, and the journals are like, like, you mean like written journals, like journals that somebody would like keep like a diary in? They're like, yeah, they're, 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 they are books that seem to be meant to be written in. Okay. Uh, could I use, I don't know if this is 
useful, but could I use like into could Rose use intuition to try and see like what would be the most recent one he might have been writing in? Uh, yeah, or there looks like there's one that's like sitting on the desk that seems that it was like that he may have been like at least looking at it recently. Okay, can she pick it up and read it? Sure. What are other people doing? Hmm. Are there? I'm sorry. Are there other doors to like other rooms in this place? Uh, there's a door to a bedroom and a door to a to a bathroom. Gotcha. Other than that, the the like the main room is like kind of a half living room, half yeah. kitchen, half you know, uh, dining room kind of situation. I think Francis is gonna walk over to the the door that she assumes is a bedroom door, mm-hmm. and just like just in case, is gonna say, "Hello, I'm a very nice person, and I'm gonna open this door." Um, and it's going to see if she can peek inside and see if there's anything interesting in there. Okay. Um, you don't hear anything. You peek inside. Um, there's a oil lamp kind of near the door that you can turn on. Looks like a pretty normal bedroom. Okay. Um, bed is not made. Eh, neither is mine. Or, you know, that's why Francis has maids. Yes. Percy, Genevieve. I'll go look into the kitchen. Okay. It's in the, it's in the same, it's in the main room. There's just like a, a sink and like a like a little a tiny stove, so you walk over there and kind of look around. Yeah. Okay. See if there's any food. Mm-hmm. I think Percy will look for any like personal effects, like not just the journal or anything, just any other belongings that seem like they tell a story about this individual. Okay. In the main room, in the bedroom. Starting in the main room and going to the bedroom. Okay, sounds good. Um, so you all are kind of looking around um for a while. Genevieve, you walk over to the kitchen, you know, again, looks like the kitchen of someone who doesn't seem to care about food very much. Like he's just like, he's just getting by when it comes to eating. Um, Rose, you flip open that journal and it seems like there are two different people's handwriting in there. The best you can tell, it looks like someone who is learning either French or English and then someone else who is like writing notes like... um you know, like comments on the work. Um, and in fact, you flip open to the, like flip back to the first page and there's like where someone would write their name, like that they were the owner of the book mm-hmm. and it's not mm-hmm. his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, the notes are like corrections of somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So it's like notes on, okay. Um, what is the name in the front of the book? Um, it is Michael Pope. Hmm. Michael Pope. Okay. And can I tell like what they're, is that, is it literally, it looks like, it looks just like you're just like learning how to do English, French translations, or is it like there's actual like content in it? Is it like, you know, like the fox leapt over the. Yeah. It's, it's more, <laughs> it's more like that. It okay, looks it's like, like a workbook almost like. Almost. Yeah. It looks okay. like someone is, it looks like someone who knows English is learning French. And then the comments are written in English about their French translations. Got it. Okay. And so then I think Percy and um, Francis, you're kind of just looking around to see what yeah. you can find. And after a few minutes, I think, Percy, you kind of make your way over into the bedroom um, with Francis and you're kind of looking around. And Percy, I don't know, maybe you have a particular sense of just like where someone might hide something. Yeah, you, you know, yeah. your brain might kind of work that way a little bit. It's Yeah. If you ever need to stash something somewhere, you kind of ha- you're kind of you know intuitively aware of where that might be. Francis can find secret doors; she can't find hidden things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in between the wall and the radiator in his room, there is a, a small leather-bound journal that's kind of Ooh. clearly hidden back there. Ooh. 
But right about as you're finding that, Uh Rose and Genevieve, you hear of, well, you probably all hear this, but um, there's a voice from the front door that says, what are you all doing in here? And Rose and Gene- or, yeah, Rose and Genevieve turn and look, and there's like this old woman with curlers in her hair huh? and like a nightgown on, and she's holding a shotgun. Oh no! And that is where we're going to end our story for no, now. No. Wow! Oh, Genevieve sh- just pulls out her gun and shoots her. <laughs> Easily solved. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> All is well, don't worry. Do you think official dumb as an ability like counts for like the landlord-tenant relationship? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> this podcast was created using the Yellow King RPG by Pelgrane Press and is based on an adventure written by Robin D. Laws, both used under the Pelgrane Press limited community use policy, along with the music from the Yellow King Suite written by James Semple. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the Nature of My Game podcast at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or at NOMGpodcast.com. To support us on Patreon, please visit www.patreon.com slash NOMGpodcast. Podcast.